Welcome to the WorkSmart Podcast. I'm Philip Allen. In part two of this two-part compliance roundup series, I discuss with Julie Pardy, Director of Regulation and Market Engagement at WorkSmart, the importance of reviewing and improving your conduct rules training before discussing why all firms in 2021 should embed the FCA's five conduct questions into their practices, policies, and procedures. So let's get to it. As many of our podcast listeners would know and understand, the FCA in August of this year updated its webpage on SMCR for solo regulated firms. And the update set out good and bad practices using positive and negative indicators relating to the training of staff on the conduct rules, as well as assessing the fitness and propriety of senior managers and certificated staff. Julia, in your opinion, do any of these indicators really stand out to you? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So if we go back to SMCR and the fact that it went live from December last year, then you've got firms that had to have trained their senior managers and their certified people at the point that it went live. We've actually seen our clients talking about, well, we've we've done that, we met the requirement, and now we want to do more, we want to do better, we want to do more focused, like the regulator saying, so that, that approach to improvement. So two things, I think Generic e-learning is very good as a base platform for providing generic information to people. And I think that's great. And it's a super way of getting a message out there. I'm interested that the FCA, when they did their banking stock take report, they said if they put a traffic light system on what happened in the banks, then conduct rules training would be read. So definitely their communication and messages at the moment is that they really want firms to think about this in a bit more detail. And I think financial services business is really, really complicated If you've got a thousand staff and goodness knows how many team managers, firms are going to go gulp, really, if I got to get my line managers to train each of the teams, that's a big endeavour. But is it if you, as a organisation, work through the general nature of the regime and the conduct rules, and then you train your managers and then work, get them to work in the nuances of case studies that would be relevant to the technical basis and the skills basis of the people that work for them. I mean, it's a big endeavour and it's complicated and I can see why firms haven't always done it in the past, but I can absolutely see why the regulator is saying in an ideal world, this is what we'd really like, but definitely seeing a move towards that the business empowering itself with the help of HR and training to let the managers be empowered with their teams. And we talked offline about this, that it's not as onerous as one thinks, is it? No, I don't think it is. I mean, we've both been heads of L&D of large organisations in the past. And I think it's that if you've got the tools to do the job, you've got the infrastructure and you've got the teams then actually you've probably got a natural cascade method anyway. If you look at a lot of banks, they normally have what they would call Tuesday morning training, Wednesday morning training, which is when the branches in the good old days were closed for an hour between nine and 10 o'clock on a you know Tuesday or Wednesday morning. And that's when the, the manager would deliver all of the messages to their team in a network. So you know many firms have got that infrastructure set up already. But I think one of the challenging things is tracking it and recording it. So if you're a, you're the senior manager who is accountable for conduct rules and conduct rules training in your organisation, you've got 5,000 people, actually that's a big job. 
especially if you devolve the responsibility and you don't have the right systems and controls to actually then pull that data back into the centre to analyse whether you've got any gaps or, or whether anybody needs more support. 4th of September, critical, obviously, date because it's my dad's birthday, but um, probably more <laughs> critical from financial services firms is that um, the, the FCA published its five conduct questions report, which outlines banking industry feedback for 2019-2020. And for those that don't know, the five conduct questions are a part of the FCA's strategy for supervising wholesale banks and focusing on conduct and culture. But these questions are equally applicable to all firms covered by the regime. The report is a timely note from the regulator of the high-level principles and standards of behaviour that it expects from the firms and individuals it regulates. Julie, what stood out from you from the report itself? I guess there were a number of things really that, you know, on a generic nature stood out. First of all, I think the original communication of this report if we look back over time, is a bit of a shame because honestly, there's some real nuggets of information in here that would be hugely useful to everybody's every firm. But I think the problem is we're all so busy. We look at stuff, oh, wholesale banking, that doesn't apply to me. Therefore, I, I just haven't got time to read that. And I think that maybe that message has got lost over time because, as you say, it, they've said on a number of occasions, actually, this report's relevant to all firms because it's got some really good stuff in there. So I, I think they need to up that messaging because I think the latest groups of people I've worked with, nobody had ever heard of it, which is a real shame. I think the other thing that was really interesting here is that they went down a level, as you said, in the organisation and they were talking to people that were responsible for really big departments on, a, you know, on an operational day-to-day -day level. And it's those people that know if you're in a branch network or a call centre, invariably the people that are doing the do know where the systems aren't right. They know where things are likely to fall through the cracks. And so if you've got people that are managing those people involved in these, those discussions, you, you're getting more granular level of detail. So for me, it was that message again around if you're going to manage people's conducts, you have to have right structure, but you have to have leaders that their tone matches what they do and that they're role modelling that and that people can come along with that and that bad things aren't tolerated and good things are recognised. Because, you know, how many times would you talk to somebody in an organisation and they would say, yeah, well, that's OK. Those two people over there have just been promoted and we all know that they behave badly because they do this, that or the other. And it's known within a firm that actually people can still have poor behaviour that's acknowledged, but they're still promoted over and above others that don't so you know the tone of it for me was all about getting those checks and balances in order to have a, a level playing field within an organization it's a quite sizable read so need to set aside a couple of hours to have a look at that one if people haven't read it already what struck me is that identification of conduct risk issues it's not just a you know second line responsibility but it's a first line responsibility and those weaknesses uh, identified by the regulator about the staff understanding what is a conduct risk issue. And more so than ever in a pandemic, whereby one has to be aware in a regulated firm as a disparate workforce of the issues and challenges around conduct risk. I think the exam question I would pose to firms is, 
Are you supporting your staff in the identification of conduct risk issues in your business? Yeah, and there's, and I, I was, as you were saying that, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. And I was trying to remember exactly the sentence in, in the report, but it's something like people's understanding of this still remains unacceptably low, you know, or words to that effect. And actually, that's quite strong words from the FCA if you look at the way that they write their materials. So it's an ongoing concern. And as you say, people need to rethink about the implications of that. The problem is, at the moment, people, have, I, I think, six months in are really finding the strain of working remotely and in some parts of businesses, from an operational point of view, finding the continued operation really challenging. So having that time to then take a moment and and take a breath and think about these things, firms are finding it hard to do. And then the regulator hasn't just left the expectation out there for firms to misinterpret or interpret on their own. I think it's been incredibly useful for the questions that they have put in the report, the five questions for firms to consider. And a couple of them are, have staff had sufficient training to be able to identify conduct risk in their day-to-day roles beyond general awareness? And Do staff understand how their own roles and responsibilities can potentially create conduct risk or harm for customers, the firm or markets? So I think these are incredibly useful to identify conduct risk. And these questions, Julie, can help move the conversation along within a firm. I think you're absolutely right. And as you say, there's those five key questions there. And I think if a firm was looking at this, they would be easy to break out for each of one of those five that headlining there, probably at least another two to three questions under each set that could then align to give them a view. I think the problem is people look at conduct risk and then think conduct people to people, i.e. me as an employee, maybe if I'm in retail banking, dealing with an end consumer. But that's not necessarily it because conduct risk comes from me as an employee as potentially one of the biggest risks a firm can have if I don't truly understand what I'm there for, if I don't truly understand the risks of what I'm doing or the risks of not doing something. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a customer-facing activity to be a conduct risk within a firm. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's time to look, review, read this report, think about what the answers might be within your organisation, and then think about how you can kickstart discussions and debates in this particular area. There's a danger as we record this in October, and we're counting down the days to Christmas already. (laughs) if the government hasn't cancelled Christmas. <laughs> and, and, and and there's a danger that there is so much on firms' plates, aren't there, um, before some of them calendar year end and potentially for financial year end. That conduct risk gets deprioritised. It's there, but it's not quite front and centre. I think it's one of those things when you've got a huge bunch of priorities, which one trumps the other one? And actually, some of these day-to-day operational issues that firms have been challenged with. So let me give you an example. Complaints. So, you know, you'll have many firms that will run at a steady complaints toll in terms of any one year for the products and services that they provide. But then now you might see a huge spike in their complaints, not necessarily because they're doing anything 
differently other than they're not quick enough to answer the phone they're not quick enough to respond to an email they're not quick enough to sort out a problem so you've got maybe conduct this data that's looking very different it doesn't necessarily mean processes have necessarily fallen down it might just be that there's less people to deal with them and they're more dispersed and therefore it's taking longer so i think it's a really really challenging environment for, for regulated businesses at the moment thank you very much julie for your time appreciate this on this work smart podcast. Philip, thanks very much for posing those questions to me and hopefully the responses and the discussion that we've had today will have been of interest to our listeners. Thanks for listening to this podcast. To learn how WorkSmart's SMCR software Accord can provide your firm with clear central record keeping, strong corporate governance, clear accountability and evidence of employee fitness and proprietary, please visit worksmart.co.uk.